Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good evening, everyone. This is a special broadcast uh, at 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, exactly 8.02, as I'm looking at my uh, computer screen here. I am Kennard Levy-Brown. I'm your host for the Merciful Servants of God Biblical Instructional Program. We are beginning, or we are in our 11th year now of broadcasting. We started in, I think, December of 2007, and we have accumulated over 300 different programs for you to benefit from, and we offer these programs entirely free, but of course, we would appreciate your donations, and if you have it in your heart to donate to this work of God, then feel free to give us a call toll-free 1-800-941-8011. If you want to mail your contributions, of course, if you want to do it online, it's very simple. Just go to www.mercifulservantsofgod.com, mercifulservantsofgod.com, and and click the uh, yellow donate button. The toll-free line is not just to mail your contributions to us if you want to do it that way, but it's also for any... uh, to address any needs you may have, uh, trying to get a job, or you need prayers, or you need healing, uh, feel free to to give us a call for that as well. Also, I do offer free teachings that includes uh, books and ebooks. Uh, right now, I've completed an ebook that would really help you. It's called How God Calls you to keep his instructions Torah and you can access it by going to this website www.howgodcalls.com that's www.howgodcalls.com I also broadcast on another internet radio station called Messianic Lamb Radio that's messianiclambradio.com and I will be broadcasting uh, tomorrow Tuesday evening at 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time so let's get into the Bible study today, do miracles prove obedience to God? I recently have experienced, uh, well, I haven't, I've recently, but I have experienced it throughout my life, and I've been in this world for over 50 years, of people assuming that because there's a miracle, oh, this must be coming from God, and this person must be a righteous person. Well, hopefully after this Bible study, study, you will understand how to recognize a true believer from a false believer 
from God when there are miracles. Because here, here's the scripture that you need to, there's two scriptures, first of all, that we need to use as our foundation today. Revelation chapter 12, verse 9. Revelation chapter 12, verse 9. And for those who are new listening to me, please get your Bible because I'm going to quote quite a few scriptures. I'm only following what the master told me to do. And uh, let's go to Jeremiah chapter 23. If you're looking to have your ears tickled, you're looking for entertainment, this is not the uh, radio instructional program about the Bible you should be listening to. I'm going to quote from God's words, and that's the way I do it. All right. So, and if you have issues with that, then you shouldn't be listening to me. You should listen to someone who's going to tickle your ears and and uh, allow you to to think things that aren't true. All right. So anyway, Jeremiah 23, verse 16, thus says the master of hosts, hearken not unto the words of the prophet that prophesy unto you. They make you vain. They speak a vision of their own heart. I don't do that. I don't, I do the best I can not to speak a vision of my own mind and not out of the mouth of the master. And in verse 17, he says, they say still unto them that despise me. The Lord has said, you shall have shalom and they shall or peace, and they say unto everyone that walketh after the imagination of his own heart, no evil shall come upon you. Verse 18, for who has stood in the counsel of the master and has perceived and heard his word? Who has marked his word and heard it? And then he talks about in verse 19, behold, a whirlwind, and it means a hurricane of the master's gone forth in fury, even a grievous whirlwind, it shall fall grievously upon the head of the wicked. Verse 20, the anger of the master shall not return until he has executed, until he has performed the thoughts of his mind, in the latter days, it's certainly referring to the Harit Hayaman, the days before the coming of the Messiah. You shall consider it perfectly or you will understand why these things happen. In verse 21 of Jeremiah 23, I have not sent these prophets, yet they ran. I have not spoken to them, yet they prophesied. And hopefully you're going to find out in this Bible study, Yeshua was right in Matthew 24 when he said there are going to be a lot of false prophets in these end times. False people. Uh, or false representatives of God that are preaching false doctrine. A lot of them do it for money. A lot of them just want to deceive you. All right. And verse 22 of Jeremiah 23, but if they had stood in my counsel and if they had caused my people to hear my words, that's the responsibility that I have is to cause you. Let me look up that original uh, Hebrew word here. It's in Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah 23, that word cause, I'm trying to look it up here, hmm, something wrong with my uh, concordance here, it's not even working here, oh, there it is, okay, et, it means, um, okay, am I looking up the right one here, all right. It's a Hebrew word that I cannot define for some reason. <laughs> so anyway, the, the scripture says, had caused, if they had stood in my counsel and had caused my people to hear my words, to hear my words. And that's and that word in the Hebrew is Shema, and it means to listen, to be heard, to be regarded, to cause to hear, to proclaim, to sound aloud. The verb basically means to hear in context expresses various connotations of this. And so we need to hear in context. We need to hear intelligently. And that's what it's referring to. Let me look at the Jewish um, JPS translation of this scripture here. 
It's in Jeremiah chapter 23. It says the same thing here. It says, but Jeremiah 23, verse 22, but if they stood in my counsel and let them cause my people to hear my words and turn them from their evil and from the evil they're doing. So that is the primary responsibility of a true preacher of God to cause them to hear God's words, not my own words. And I've looked at a lot of preaching and especially preaching in the 21st century. A lot of they'll quote one verse and that's it. And then there, a lot of what they say is coming out of their own head. Some, some people do it effectively quoting one scripture, but I've heard a lot of preaching where they, it's just out of their own head. And I don't, I don't preach that way. So I'm just letting you know that. Um, Revelation chapter 12, verse 9. Revelation chapter 12, verse 9 states the following. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceives the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And deceived in the Greek means to, to lead astray, to cause the air. And that is what the devil is really good at. Not that I'm complimenting him, but I'm telling you that he's good at uh, deceiving you. And then we all have been born with this condition. So these are two scriptures that you should keep in mind as I go through this Bible study today. Jeremiah chapter 16, verse 19 says, O master, my strength and my fortress and my refuge in the day of affliction to heathen, those who aren't following God shall come into the ends of the earth and shall say, surely our fathers have inherited lies. Inherited lies. All right? And that means exactly what it means in Hebrew. Inherited lies. Vanity. And things where there is no profit. And so that is the condition of most people on the earth. Right now, they have inherited lies. And it reminds me of Isaiah chapter 25. Verse 7, and he will destroy in this mountain, this is talking about the second coming of Messiah, the face of the covering, and that Greek, or that Hebrew word covering is lots, which is interesting, and it means a covering. And it's a noun for H387, indicating the inability of, of people to perceive God and his works clearly. And so there's a, there's a shroud covering all the people. Most people on the earth have this cloud. And avail it to spread over all nations. So he's going to uplift that or lift that that inability for most people to completely understand God and people, uh, the majority of people who are alive at that point and in the future that come alive will understand the true God for the first time. So my, my book explains that in detail, how, why that is so. And, and, and go to my website, howgodcalls.com and get that book and read it. It's a free book. Everything that I teach uh, is free. So I just want to let you know about that. All right. So let's, here's a good scripture to start out with here in, in terms of miracles to, to understand that miracles is not the most important thing to God. Uh, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 to 23, in the New American Standard Bible Version, for clarity's sake, it states the following. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy? So here, number one, there's going to be some people during this time. This is a future time. Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And number two, cast out demons. 
and in your name perform many miracles. So these are three things that people will be able to do. And yet he states here, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So I'm going to focus a little bit. This is a very, very powerful scripture to help you understand, do miracles prove obedience to God? Just, just as one verse should tell you, no, it does not. Incredibly, people, and there are people that I know, and, I, and I've heard people that do prophesy in his name and that they cast out demons and they perform many miracles. And But here's the determining factor. He says, then I will declare to them, I never knew you. So it's possible for people to preach in the Messiah's name, to cast out demons in his name, and to perform miracles in his name. And it's still possible for Yeshua not to know that individual, and of course that individual not to know them. He says, I never knew you. He says, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And when you understand the Hebrew word for law, it means Torah, and it means instructions, and following God's way of life. And so I want you to focus on this. This is another foundational scripture. It's possible for someone to prophesy or preach in Yeshua's name, or Jesus' name, Yeshua's Hebrew name. It's possible for this individual to cast out demons in Jesus' or Yeshua's name. It's also possible for this individual to perform many, not few, many miracles in Yeshua's name or Jesus' name. But it's also possible a person doing all these things, still God will not know them or recognize them. And they it's possible for them to practice lawlessness despite doing all these things. So that's an incredible scripture, but hey, that's in the Bible, and you can challenge God all you want, but it's right there. And to show you that just because someone is preaching about Yeshua, uh, casting out demons, and performing it does not necessarily make them someone who practices righteousness. That's, that's according to your scriptures. You need to really focus on that. I don't care what anyone has told you. You need to go by what Yeshua is telling you here in Matthew chapter 7, 21 to 23, ladies and gentlemen. And that also reminds me of a scripture that you need to really pay attention to because I know in ministry, I experience this a lot. I experience this a lot with people taking uh, what Yeshua says and, and, and they don't really believe what he says. All right, so. This is what Yeshua was saying when he was arguing or disagreeing with his fellow Jewish brethren. So that's the context here of the scripture, the historical context, and the environmental uh, context of the social environmental context. So John 5, verse 41, I receive not honor from men, verse 42, uh, John chapter 5, but I know you that you have not the love of God in you. Now, this is interesting. What's the love of God, folks? Do you know what the love of God? Can you show me a scripture? where it says what the love of God is. It's in 1 John 5, verse 3. So hold your place here. 1 John 5, verse 3. 1 John 5, verse 3. It states the following. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. 
and his commandments are not grievous. So that's what the love of God is according to the Bible. So going back to John 5, verse 43. John 5, verse 43. So after he's saying that the people that are around him, his fellow Jewish brethren, did not have a love of God in them, in other words, they, they didn't have a desire to want to keep the commandments properly, verse 43. I am come in my Father's name, and you receive me not. He stated in John chapter 14, verse John 15, verse 10, that he kept his father's commandments. That's a part of coming in his father's name. And you receive me not. If another shall come in my in his own name, him you will receive. <laughs> and that's a prophecy because that happens today. There's more people that be attracted to a Jim Osteen or, or someone else that that uh, is not totally preaching message of the Bible that we should all keep all of his commandments, not just some of them. Uh, Numbers 14, verse 24 clearly states that we must follow him wholly and completely and fully, not partially. Uh, people will be more attracted to those type of ministers than the minister like myself who is using his words to preach uh, God's will. And so let's go to another scripture that's interesting in, in, in the context of do miracles prove obedience to God. And Luke chapter 16, verse 27 to 31, it states, and he said, then I beg you, Father, that you send him to my father. This is in the context of uh, Lazarus and the rich man. This guy's uh, burning and uh, uh, he's in a very uncomfortable place of torment right now. And he says, then I beg you, Father, that you send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, in order that he may warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. So he is sent to a spiritual place of torment. But Abraham said, or Abraham, they have Moses and the prophets. Okay, let's stop the press here. Moses and the prophets. Moses is the first five books of the Bible, as the Jews correctly teach. The prophets is the rest of the Bible, because the Jews, when they said the prophets, it would also include Moses and the prophets, it would also include the writings, all right? So they're talking about, and Moses and the prophets, that phrase means the entire Tanakh or the entire Old Testament. They have Moses and the prophets of the Old Testament, let them hear them. But he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And so you would think, and I've heard people tell me, well, Oh, this person has resurrected people, or and I've known people that supposedly have resurrected someone from the dead and did did miracles. But let's read the rest of this. But he said to them, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded, even if someone rises from the dead. And that is so true. I've heard some people telling me that they actually have risen people from the dead, but they still don't understand that they need to keep the Sabbath and the holy days and, and not eat unclean meat like Yeshua did. All right, so again, folks, the devil uses miracles, and and God would use God would send some strong delusion. Hold your here. This this is something that I just realized here in Second Thessalonians. The miracles come from God. He allows miracles to test you in Second Thessalonians to see whether you would obey Him or not. Second Thessalonians. Chapter 2, verse 7. Now, the mystery of iniquity was already working back in the first century. Second Thessalonians 2, verse 7. For the mystery of iniquity does already work. Only he who now lets it will let until he's taken out of the way. 
in verse 8 of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And then shall that wicked, and then you look at the Greek word, it means lawlessness. The, the anti-Messiah is going to be someone who's going to be against all the instructions and doctrines and commandments of God. All right. And so the King James translators, they capitalize that word. And that's a good translation because they emphasize how wicked this person will be, this, the anti-Messiah. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the master shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Verse 9, even him whose coming is after the working of Hasatan, with all power and signs and not just wonders, but lying wonders, <laughs> lying miracles. Verse 10, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love. It's not enough just to receive the truth first, folks. You have to also love it, or agape, that form of love. You have to love the truth, that they might be saved. If you don't love the truth, obviously you won't be saved, in verse 11. And for this cause, God, God shall send them strong delusion. So he allows miracles, obviously, uh, in this situation, that they should believe a lie that all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So why would God allow this? Well, let's, let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 13. This is a common rule for determining whether or not someone is preaching a true message of God, despite the miracles that they are able to do. All right. Deuteronomy 13, verse 1. If there arise among you a prophet or dreamer of dreams, and giveth thee a sign of wonder. Someone may tell you some things that only you would know about or whatever, right? Verse 2, or, or other, other miracles. A miracle is a miracle, verse 2. And the sign of a wonder come to pass wherever he spake unto thee, saying, let us go after the gods which thou hast not known, and let us serve. That's the key if this person teaching you not to obey God. Um, if, if this person is preaching to you and they don't want to keep any of the other commandments, then that's a... And it doesn't make a difference which one it is. Uh, that's a warning sign to you. Or if, if you know that this individual uh, does not want to keep a certain commandment, and there's no reason why they can't do it. Uh, verse 3, uh, thou shalt not hearken unto the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the master your God proves you. Now, he wants to prove you to know whether the love of the Lord your God, whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. And the love of God is simply keeping his instructions. Verse 4, you shall walk after the master your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. And you shall serve him and cleave unto him. And that prophet or dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has spoken to turn you away from the master your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you out of the house of bondage to thrust thee out of the way which the master thy God commanded thee to walk in. So shall thou put the evil away from the midst of thee. Now, it even extends to other people other than prophets. If thy brother, the son of thy mother, or thy son, or daughter, or thy wife, or thy friend, anybody, it doesn't make a difference, which is of thy own soul, entice thee secretly, saying, let us go and serve other gods which thou hast not known, thou nor thy fathers. Verse 7, name me of the gods of the people which are around you, near unto thee, or far off from thee, from the one end of the earth, and even to the other end. Thou shalt not consent unto him, nor hearken unto him. Neither shall thy eye pity him, neither shall thou spare, neither shall thou conceal him. So 
This is talking about people that don't believe the true God of the Bible. You shouldn't listen to people that try to encourage you to do that, and you shouldn't be fellowshipping with them. What I mean by that, you shouldn't be worshiping on them. You have to work with them. Yeah, you know, we all, well, I don't have a job anymore. I, I have my own business, thank God. Um, but other people, most people, they work for somebody, which is nothing wrong with that. And if you are working for people, then you're going to be around people. And the majority of people don't keep God's command, all of his commandments. In particular, they don't keep the Sabbath. They don't keep the holy days. And they don't keep the clean and unclean meats. Those three commandments certainly have a significant role in setting you apart to be his holy people. But anyway, I talk about that in my other program uh, about identifying who the children of God are. And so that's a program that I did recently, and I suggest you listen to it. Who are God's people? So I, I cover that in that program. But anyway, in Deuteronomy 13, verse 8, thou shalt not consent unto him, nor hearken unto him, neither shall thy eye pity him, neither shall thou spare, neither shall thou conceal him, but thou shalt surely kill him. Thy hand shall be first upon him to put him to death, and afterwards the hand of all the people. And thou shalt stone him with stones that he died. Now, I'm not suggesting that we stone people. That is something that is not enforced right now because God has given uh, the Gentile, he's given uh, administration and governmental responsibilities to those who are not considered excuse me, those who are not considered a part of the 12 tribes of Israel right now. In other words, the nations uh, have He's given those governmental responsibilities to the nations, and the nations certainly don't have this in the law. Uh, in particular, the Western nations don't have it where they stone people like that. But when he comes back, this is going to be enforced again. He's going he's gonna to enforce this, but right now that's not enforced, so I'm not telling you to stone anybody. I'm just reading this out of the context here of what they were doing back then. Deuteronomy 13, verse 10, And thou shalt stone him with stones that he died, because he had sought to thrust thee away from the master thy God which brought thee out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. And all Israel shall hear and fear and shall do no more any such wickedness as this is among you. All right, so, and it goes on and on and on. And, and, and this whole chapter really uh, is to, to help you to understand the following. Let me read the last verse here, verse 18 of Deuteronomy 13. And when thou shalt hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God to keep all his commandments, which I command thee this day. Uh, to do that which is right in the eyes of him. And when thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the master thy God, Deuteronomy 13, verse 18, to keep all his commandments which I command thee this day to do that which is right in the eyes of the master God. And so that is the important thing. And I, I quoted the scripture last week, Deuteronomy 6, verse 25. This is a clear scripture on explaining what righteousness is. And some people have challenged me about Psalm 119, 172. Well, this is very clear. Uh, Deuteronomy 6, verse 25, and it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do, if, condition, if we observe to do some, no, all these commandments before the master our God as he has commanded us. So that's what righteousness is, ladies and gentlemen. All right, so, so far we understand that just because someone is prophesying or preaching in Jesus or Yeshua's name is casting out demons in Yeshua or Jesus' name, and it's also performing many miracles in Jesus and Yeshua's name does not mean that they are practicing, and we get that from Matthew 7, verse 21 to 23. Second of all, 
someone can resurrect someone from the dead or see someone being resurrected. But if they don't believe the Old Testament, if they don't believe what Moses wrote in the prophets, then he stated here, and again, I'm going to read this to you. But he said to them, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded, even if someone rises from the dead. And I do know some people that have experienced those miracles, and they're still not keeping the Sabbath. They're still not keeping the holy days. And they still are eating pork and shrimp and all kinds of unclean meats, something that Yeshua did not do. Because he said that he kept his father's commandments in John 15, verse 10, and he commands us in 1 John 2, verse 6, through the apostle John, that we should walk in his footsteps. And that's in the context of keeping his commandments. If you start with First uh, John chapter two, verse one to six, you start with verse one and read it all the way to verse six, where it concludes uh, that we should walk in his footsteps. Walking in his footsteps means we do everything that he could do, uh, that he did do. In John fourteen verse six, it says plainly that he's the way, he's the life, and he's the truth. And so he is the the word of God, the living word of God, the living Torah. And we should follow his example. And many that call themselves Christians are not doing that. If you get angry at me, that's just too bad. It's the truth and nothing but the truth. So help me, Yodhe Vahe. All right, so 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 7 to 11. It says, well, actually, I read this. Yeah, I read that scripture. So here's another thing that I find very interesting. John the Baptist, the second Elijah to come, did no miracles, folks. He did no miracles. Now, why is that? He did not do any miracles. Why did God allow him not to do any miracles? That, this is, but let's read this. John 10, verse 41, it says, And many resorted unto him and said, John did no miracle. The second Elijah is going to be a third Elijah. I'm going to give a program one day on really giving you the information to be able to recognize who this individual will be. Um, in the future, I believe this individual possibly is alive right now. All right, so John 10, verse 41. And many resorted unto him and said, John did no miracle. So John the Baptist, the second Elijah, did no miracle. Now, we know the first one did, but the second one didn't. But all things that John spoke of this man were true. So what's more important? someone doing miracles around you or someone preaching the truth? You would have to, to conclude, if your brain is working properly, that someone preaching the truth is more important than that person doing miracles. All right, so it reminds me of a scripture that uh, Yeshua, that John wrote about Yeshua and what he said about our people as a whole. John 4, verse 47, when he heard that Yeshua was come out, this is the, uh, one of the, uh, I think it was a Roman centurion, uh, and a Roman official, officialman, a nobleman, that's what he was. And John 4, verse 47, when he heard that Yeshua was come out of Judea, which is the West Bank today, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. And verse 48, then said Yeshua unto them, Except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. And he knows that because of dealing with uh, the people in the wilderness when he dealt with them. It, it was a very difficult thing. And it's like he did all these miracles. And they still didn't believe. Even though some of them did, but they then, then, then the miracles, it's like he had to do another miracle, another miracle. And 
and, you know, the, the people's attitude and people's attitude is, is the same today. We look at John chapter six, verse two, John six, verse two, and a great multitude follow him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that was diseased. So they weren't following him because they wanted to believe or wanted to commit to his way of life. They, they were interested in the miracles. You know, we, we have this selfish inherent desire to want things for ourselves. And then John 6, verse 26 only confirms what I'm saying here. John 6, verse 26. We want to get something from God, but we don't, you know, we, we have this natural tendency not to want to serve God, but we want to get something from him, though. John 6, verse 26. We're asking me to read John 6, verse uh, 25. And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? And then verse 26, you should have said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, you seek me not because you saw, you seek me not because, okay, wait, John 6, verse 26, Yeshua answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the, the loaves and were filled. And so they were looking to get something um, in the context of the miracles. Uh, verse 27, labor not for the meat or food which perishes, but for the, for the food which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him has the master's seal. And so the miracle was, of course, the miracle of him providing food. And so that miracle attracted them to them, and, and he said that but they were looking to get something. Miracles, when you look at the miracles in the proper context, should influence you to want to obey God, not to continue to live your way of life and just get something from God. You see, that was the point of what I was trying to explain there. All right, so um, there there are examples, and I don't know if I have time to, to read these examples, but in Exodus chapter 7, verse 11 to 13, is a good example of the magicians able to duplicate the miracle that God did through Moses of changing the rod into a serpent. And uh, there are other false miracles recorded, Acts 8, verse 9, 11. Let's see if we can look at that here. Acts 8, verse 9 to 11 says, But there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that he himself was someone great. And I hear a lot of, I hear a lot of ministers today, they do these miracles, and they're supposed to be great because of that. But, but what are they teaching? See, that's what people don't address, you know. Acts 8, verse 10, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the great power of God, because he was able to do miracles, okay, or sorcery. And verse 11 of Acts chapter 8, and to him they had great regard because of that long time he bewitched them. And, and that word bewitched in the Greek, means uh, to uh, astonish them, astonish them. Okay. They were wondered because of, obviously, the miracles of the uh, were. And then, uh, of course, he realized later on that what he was preaching wasn't the truth, and he wanted to buy, he wanted to buy the Holy Spirit. Okay, so you can just read the rest of that. And then Acts 13, looks like I'm going to be um, signing, well, actually, in the next 10 minutes, I might be able to get done here. Let's see, Acts chapter, but... If this message needs to be in the archives and have to go a little over, then uh, you can, uh, of course, access it in the over 300 uh, different uh, archive episodes that I have. All right, so Acts chapter 13, Acts chapter 13, beginning in verse 6, states the following. And when they had gone through the Isle 
unto Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet. So this guy was a sorcerer, a false prophet. Um, they were magi. They specialized in the study of astrology and enchantment, and thus were known as enchanters and magicians. All right. So whose name was Bar-Jesus? Verse 7 of Acts 13, which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man who called for Barnabas and saw he desired to hear the word of God. But Elmas, a sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the face. And see, this is interesting. Someone who's doing miracles and sorcery, but yet he's turning away people from the faith. That just backs up Deuteronomy chapter 13, ladies and gentlemen. Verse 9, then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the, he was filled with the Holy Spirit, set his eyes on him and said, Oh, full of all subtlety and all mischief. He was full of all subtlety and all mischief. Thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness. What is righteousness? Keeping his commandments. All of them. He was an enemy of all righteousness. Not some all. In other words, of keeping all the commandments. Will thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the master? And this is a guy that was doing sorcery. Verse 11, and now behold, the hand of the master is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. Immediately there fell on him a mist in the darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the master. So that's another example, ladies and gentlemen, uh, just because somebody's doing miracles does not, does not necessarily make them a true believer. In Mark chapter 13. Mark chapter 13, verse 22. Verse 22. It says, For false Christ, or Messiahs, and false prophets shall rise and shall show signs and wonders and to, to seduce, if possible, even the very light. This is talking about the mystery of iniquity as well. All right? And then in verse 23, he warns us in Mark 13, But take ye heed, behold, I have foretold you all these things. And so she, we, we, we shouldn't be surprised if we see a, a false teacher doing miracles because he said that would happen. and He's going to allow that to prove you whether or not you are a true servant of, of his or not. All right. So I'm going to read. Uh, I don't think this is hardly read at all, um, but this is a pretty good scripture to help you to understand what Yeshua said in Luke chapter six. And I experienced this a lot in my ministry. Luke chapter six. Luke chapter 6, Luke chapter 6, verse 22. Luke chapter 6, verse 22. This is what I try to explain to people. He says, blessed are ye when men shall hate thee. And I got a good bunch of people that don't like what I say. I don't care. Ezekiel chapter 3. God told the prophet Ezekiel to continue to preach to his rebellious people because they won't hear you, but just go ahead and continue to preach. So that's what I did. Luke chapter 6, verse 22. Blessed are ye when men shall hate you and when they shall separate you, and boy, has that happened to me, from their company and shall reproach you and cast your name out as evil. Yes, my name has been cast out as evil for the sons of man's sake. Verse 23. Rejoice ye in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for in like manner did their fathers unto the prophets. So I'm in good company. And so I want you to remember this scripture as I quote this other scripture in 1 Kings uh, chapter 
22, 1 Kings chapter 22. This is a very interesting scripture, and it kind of helps you understand what's really going on, the tremendous deception that has always been going on. 1 Kings chapter 22. And they continued three years without war between Syria and Israel. And it came to pass in the third year that Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, came down to the king of Israel. Verse 3 of 1 Kings chapter 22. And the king of Israel said unto his servants, Know ye that Ramah and Gilead is ours, and we be still, and take it out, out not at the hand, and take it not out of the hand of the king of Syria. And verse 4. And he said unto Jehoshaphat, Will thou go with me to battle to Ramah Gilead? And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, I am not as thou art. My people as thy people, my horses as thy horses. And verse 5 of 1 Kings chapter 22, And Jehoshaphat said unto the king of Israel, Inquire, I pray thee, at the word of the master today. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together. About So there were 400 so-called prophets. I'm going to say so-called so you'll see in a minute that they really weren't prophets of God. If they were, they, they went astray. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, about 400 men, and said unto them, Shall I go against Ramah Gilead to battle, or shall I forbear? And they said, Go up, for the master shall deliver it into the, the hand of the king. In verse 7, and Jehoshaphat said, Is there not a prophet? So Jehoshaphat, he knew better. He knew that the true prophets of God are persecuted, and they're not really spoken of well, and, and so forth. So he knew that in verse 7. And this was a Jewish king, by the way, which is significant. And Jehoshaphat said, Is there not a prophet of the master besides that we might inquire of him. In verse 8, and the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, there is yet one man, Micaiah, the son of Imla, by whom we may inquire of the master, but I hate him, for he does not prophesy good concerning me. He does not prophesy good. Of, so people want to hear good things. They want to always hear good things. They don't want to hear the truth. That's, it was the same way back then. It, it, just like it is today, it was the same way back then. Our people haven't changed in a mighty way. We are rebellious. But I hate him, for he does not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. And Jehoshaphat said, let not the king say so. Then the king of Israel called an officer and said, hasten Micaiah, the son of Imlah. Verse 10, he probably said it that way. <laughs> and the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, sat each on his throne, having put on their robes in a void place in the entrance of the gate of Samaria. Samaria was the capital city of the ten tribes of Israel. And all the prophets prophesied before him. And Zedekiah, the son of Hananiah, made him horns of iron and said, thus says the master, with these, this is one, this, these are one of the false prophets, with these shall thou push the Syrians until thou hast consumed them. Verse 12. And all the prophets prophesied, go, saying, go up to Mammoth Gilead and prosper, for the master shall deliver it into the king's hand. All right, so. Here's the persecuted prophet. Most of the prophets, all of them, all, every single prophet has been persecuted. Verse 22, verse 13, and the messenger that was gone unto Micaiah spake unto him, saying, Behold now the words of the prophets, and I'm going to be signing off here in the next few minutes, and you can get the entirety of this program in the archives. I would assume that it would be ready. Um, I, I would assume that I would be completed here at 9 o'clock, and then you could... Uh, get the program around 9.30 or 10 o'clock in the archives. And I will post it to those who uh, are on uh, my Facebook, uh, who are friends uh, um, on my Facebook page, and also those who are a part of my uh, Facebook group. And those who want to 
become my Facebook friend, simply go to canardbrown.com or facebook.com forward slash Kennard Levy Brown or Levi Brown. And, uh, or just type my name on your, on your Facebook uh, account, Kennard Levy Brown, and you can request that I become friends. And when you do that, you'll be able to receive these programs. You'll get announcements of when I'm doing my programs, and I'll add you to my Merciful Service of God group as well on, on Facebook. And so anyway, uh, may I bless and keep you, and y'all willing, I'll be available to you next week. Listen to the entirety of this program in the archives. Shalom. Okay, so, and the messenger, and the messenger that gone to Micaiah, spoken to him, saying, Behold now, behold now, the words of the prophets declare good unto the king with one mouth. Let thy word, I pray thee, be one the word of one of them, and speak which is good. And verse 14, and Micaiah said, As the master liveth, what the master says unto me, that will I speak. So that will I speak, he's saying. And that's the way a prophet should speak. A prophet should speak according to what the master says. And Micaiah said, As the master liveth, what the Lord says to me, that will I speak. And, and see, he wanted him, he said right here, and the messenger that was gone to Micaiah spake unto him, saying, Behold now, the words of the prophets, declare good unto the king with one mouth, let thy word, I pray thee, be like the word of one of them, which speak that which is good. And so that's what we always want to hear. We want to hear something good, 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 good. We don't want to hear any bad news. And I even get that from some preachers. They don't want to recognize the signs of the times. And in Second Peter chapter 3, it was prophesied that people would act that way. Where's the promise of his coming? Because things go on the way they are from, from the time beginning. And, and that's what's going on right now. In First Kings 22, verse 14, Micaiah said, As the master lives, what the master says unto me, that will I speak. In verse 15, so he came to the king, and the king said to Micaiah, Shall we go against Ramagilead to battle, or shall we forbear him? And he answered him, Go and prosper, for the master shall deliver it into the hand of the king. Verse 16, and the, and, he, and the king said unto him, how many times shall I adjure thee that you tell me nothing but that which is true in the name of the master? I don't know why he lied, but I guess he was discouraged and and um, he knew that the king was not going to like the truth. And, you know, I, that's something that ministers have to understand. You've got to speak the truth, folks, even if you're going to get persecuted, even if something bad is going to happen to you. You've got to do it. And that's a part of this life. Acts. Chapter 14, verse 22 states, plainly, through much tribulation, we will enter the kingdom of God. And so we have to continue to preach the truth, even if we're going to get it, even if it's going to hurt. Verse 17, and he said, I saw all Israel scattered upon the hills as sheep that has not a shepherd. That is so true. That's a prophecy uh, that is certainly applicable toward today. Acts, I mean, 1 Kings 22, verse 17. 1 Kings 22, verse 17. And he said, I saw all Israel scattered upon the hills as sheep that has not a shepherd. And the master said, these have no master. Let them return every man to his house in peace. Verse 18, and the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, did I not tell you that he would prophesy no good concerning me but evil? And so in verse 19, he said, hear thou therefore the word of the master. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the hosts of heaven standing by him on the right hand and on the left. Verse 20, and the master said, who shall persuade Ahab. Ahab was one of the most wicked kings of Israel uh, of those ten tribes. That he may go up and fall at Ramagilead. 
and one said on this matter and, and, and another said on that matter. In verse 21, and there came forth a spirit and stood before the master and said, I will persuade him. And the master said unto him, wherewith? And he said, I will go forth and I will be a lying spirit. So God sets us by allowing lying spirits to lie to us to see whether or not we will obey him. Yes, that's what he does. And the master said unto him, in 1 Kings 22, verse 22, and the master said unto him, wherewith? And he said, I will go forth and I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And he said, thou shalt persuade him and prevail also. Go forth and do so. Verse 23, and now therefore, behold, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these prophets. And the master has spoken evil concerning thee. Verse 24, but Zedekiah, the son of Hananiah, went near and smote Micaiah on the cheek and said, which way went the spirit of the master from me to speak unto thee? And this is similar to what Yeshua, they said something smart to him when they were uh, actually um, beating him up when he was getting ready to be put on the, on the stake. Verse 25 of 1 Kings chapter 22, and Micaiah says, Behold, thou shalt see in that day when thou shalt go into an inner chamber to hide thyself. And the king of Israel said, Take Micaiah and carry him back unto Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son. And verse 27, say, Thus says the king, Put this fellow in prison and feed him with bread of affliction and with water of affliction until I come in peace. And see, that's what we go through, folks. Prophets and people that preach the word of God go through a lot. They go through a lot. You need to be praying for us. Verse 28, and Micaiah, thou return at all in peace. The Lord has not spoken by me. And he said, hearken, O people, every one of you. And so this is what happened in 1 Kings 22, verse 29. So the king of Israel, Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went up to Ramah Gilead. Verse 30, and the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and enter into the battle and put thou on thy robes. And the king of Israel disguised himself and went into the battle. Verse 31. But the king of Syria commanded his 30 and two captains that had rule over his chariots, saying, Fight neither with small nor great, save only with the king of Israel. And it came to pass when the captains of the chariots saw Jehoshaphat, they said, Surely it is the king of Israel. And they turned against the fight against him, and Jehoshaphat cried out. And it came to pass when the captains of the chariots perceived that it was not the king of Israel, they turned back from pursuing him. And a certain man drew a bow at a venture and smote the king of Israel between the joints of the harness. Well, if he said unto the driver of the chariot, turn thy hand and, and carry me out of the host, for I am wounded. And the battle increased that day, and the king was stayed up in his chariot against the Syrians and died at evening, and the blood ran out of the wound into the midst of the chariots. All right, so it happened the way uh, he said it would happen, ladies and gentlemen. And so the prophet was correct, all right, and all those 400 prophets were not. <laughs> And so that, that goes to show you numbers is not what God is looking at. He's looking at whether or not, and he stated here, which that prophecy came true. In 1 Kings 22, verse 28, and Micaiah said, if thou return at all in peace, the Lord has not spoken by me. And he said, hearken, O people, every one of you. And so that is a good lesson to follow, ladies and gentlemen. We can't get suckered into people that said they had a dream and, and all this, here's another scripture, Ezekiel chapter 13. It's not a popular scripture, but I'm going to quote it anyway. Ezekiel 13, verse 1. And the master of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel that prophesy, and say unto them that prophesy out of their own hearts. 
Hear ye the word of the master. Thus says the Lord. And so, so they're prophesying out of their own hearts. So uh, in verse 3, thus says the master, yod heh woe unto the foolish prophets that follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. Verse 4, O Israel, thy prophets are like the foxes in the deserts. Verse 5, you have not gone up into the gaps, neither made the heads for the house of Israel to stand in the battle of the day of the master. Verse 6, they have seen lying and vanity and lying divination, saying the Lord has said, and the Lord has not sent them, and they have made others to hope that they will confirm the word. Verse 7, have you not seen a vain vision, and have you not spoken a lying divination, whereas you say the Lord saith, be it I have not spoken? Verse 8, therefore thus says the master, because you have spoken vanity and seen lies, therefore behold, I am against you, says the master. So if you listen to me and you know you're preaching false doctrine and and you know that you're doing these things, you're in trouble. You need to repent. Verse 9, and my hand shall be upon the prophets that see vanity and that divine lies. They divine lies. And that's an interesting scripture. They practice divination. So this is, this is very, very bad. They shall not be in my assembly of my people, neither shall they be written in the writing of the house of Israel, neither shall they enter into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the master of Yodevahi, because even because they have seduced my people. They have seduced my people to lead astray, provide false information. Peace. And there was no peace, and one built up a wall, and lo, others daubed it with untempered mortar. Verse 11. Say unto them which daub it with untempered mortar, that it shall fall, there shall be an overflowing shower, and ye, O great hailstones, shall fall, and a stormy wind shall rend it. Verse 12, lo, when the wall is fallen, shall it not be said unto you, where is the daubing wherever you had daubed it? Therefore, thus says the master, yod I will even rend it with a stormy wind in my fury, and there shall be an overflowing shower in my anger and great hailstones in my fury to consume it. So will I break down the wall that you have daubed with untempered mortar and bring it down to the ground so that the foundation there shall be discovered, and it shall fall, and you shall be consumed in the midst. There and you shall know that I am the master. Thus will I accomplish my wrath upon the wall. And this is verse 15 of Ezekiel 13. And upon them which have daubed it with untempered mortar, and will say unto you, The wall is no more, neither that they daubed it. To wit, the prophets of Israel which prophesy concerning Jerusalem would see visions of peace for her, and there is no peace, says the master God. Likewise, thou son of man, set thy face against the daughters of thy people which prophesy out of their own heart and prophesy against them and say, thus says the master God, woe to the women that sew pillows to, the, to all armholes and make handkerchiefs upon the head of every stature to hunt souls. Will you hunt the souls of my people and will you save the souls alive that come unto you? And will you pollute me among my people for handfuls of barley and for pieces of bread to slay the souls that should not die and to save the souls alive that should not live? By your lying to my people that hear your lie. Verse 20. Wherefore thus says the master Yodevahi. Behold I am against your pillows. Where you there hunt the souls to make them fly. And I will tear them from your arms. And will let the souls go. The souls that you hunt to make them fly. Your kerchiefs also will I tear and deliver my people out of your hand. And they shall be no more in your hand to be hunted. And you shall know that I am the master. Because with lies you have made the heart of the righteous sad, whom I have not made sad, and strengthened the hands of the wicked, that he should not return 
from his wicked way by promising him life. Therefore, you shall see no more vanity, nor divine divinations, for I will deliver my people out of your hand, and you shall know that I am the Lord. I want you to notice he's talking about males and females in this chapter. They both can deceive people through dreams and miracles. And so we have to stay away from that. And we have to also understand that one of the common traits of this end time, of these end times. Uh, let me read two scriptures here. One in Second Timothy 4, verse 1. I charge therefore before the master and the master Yeshua Messiah, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, rebuke or reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers, teachers having itching ears, or they want to hear entertainment. Verse 4, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth. The truth, biblically, is all the instructions of God, all of his commandments. That's in Psalm 119, 142, and Psalm 119, 151. And also Psalm 119, um, 172, as far as righteousness being uh, all of his commandments. Verse 4 of 2 Timothy chapter 4, And they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and it shall be turned into fables. Into fables. But it states here for me and anyone else who's preaching the truth. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, and I do. Do the work and the evangelist. Do the best I can. Make full proof of thy ministry. So when I preach, I'm preaching so that you will understand that I'm a true minister of Yodevahe. Now, in 2 Timothy 3, verse 1, it says, This know also that in the Harit Hayamem, or the days before the coming of the Messiah, perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of themselves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemies, disobedience of parents, etc. So you can read the rest of that. It tells you uh, the tremendous um, problems that people have uh, in these end times, ladies and gentlemen. And so we have to understand that we are living in very, very, very deceptive times. And here's a scripture here. First Timothy 4, I want, this is one, one I wanted to turn to. First Timothy 4, verse 1. Now the Spirit expressively speaketh, or the Spirit speaketh expressively, that in the latter times, the days before the coming of the Messiah, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Yes, devils has teachings. Plenty of them to deceive you. Verse 2, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Verse 3, forbidding to marry and, and commanding to abstain from foods which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. That's talking, the truth is God's commandment. So, that, so the um, food should not be refused if it's set apart by the word of God. So you have to check the word of God to see whether or not that food should be eaten. Verse 4, for every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it's received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified or set apart by the word of God in prayer. And so that means that you have to use the word of God to determine whether or not that meat uh, should be eaten or not. And so anyway, I hope that you understand that just because someone's doing a miracle does not necessarily mean that they are a true servant of God, ladies and gentlemen. This world has been deceived and it continues to be deceived, and we have to understand that the true criteria that God looks at is whether or not someone is preaching correctly, whether they're doing miracles or not. And so, excuse me, I'm so sorry. And so I hope that you understand the truth about that. 
Don't focus so much on miracles. You need to focus on the weightier matters of the law. And I think I'm still on the air, so it didn't cut off, so that's good. So Matthew chapter 23, Matthew chapter 23, verse 20. This is what we need to focus on. Instead of focusing on miracles, emotionalism, and, 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 and other things. Uh, Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of the mint and anise and common and have omitted the weightier matters of the law. So are the weightier matters of, are the weightier matters of the law? Is it, is it miracles? Is it dreams? No. Is uh, judgment, the ability to determine right from wrong, mercy, caring about people, learning how to love your enemies, and faith, which the, the Hebrew for that is immuna, and it simply means adherence to the truth or the willingness to obey the truth. It says, these all you have to have done and not leave the other done. And so those are the three things we need to focus on, not miracles, folks. So I, I just hope that this, and here's another thing. Let's, let's understand something. I already read the scripture that the devil performs miracles, but also his demons, and, and I've read that to you. But here's another scripture to understand. In the context of miracles, folks. Um, Revelation chapter 16. Revelation chapter 16. Verse 14. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles, which go forth into the kings of the earth and to the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. Because just because someone does a miracle, does not necessarily make them true service of God. Folks, I hope you believe that. This is certainly scriptural, and I just hope that if you have been impressed by somebody doing a miracle, that you have to go further, the question of whether or not they are obeying all the commandments for them to be considered a true servant of God. And let me give you a scriptural example of that, um, Acts chapter 6, verse 8. This is the criteria that you need to look for. Acts chapter 6, verse 8. And Stephen, full of imuna, or faith, and power, did great wonders and miracles among all the people. Now, this is a person, not only did he do miracles, but he backed it up by having full faith, imuna. Faith must have works. And those works certainly include keeping the Sabbath, the holy days, and the clean and unclean meats, and any other commandment that you can keep. And so we must keep all the commandments, not some of them. In John 16, verse 13, it says that the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth, not some of the truth. We have to obey all the commandments, ladies and gentlemen, to make it in his kingdom. And one last scripture to prove that. In Revelation chapter 22, verse 14. It says, blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life, and they enter into, through the gates into the city. And so we have to do all of his commandments, ladies and gentlemen, to make it into his kingdom. Majority of humanity, the good news is that the majority of humanity will get with the program and will have the desire to keep all those commandments. And that Holy Spirit does not nail the law to the cross. What it does, when you read Jeremiah chapter 31, here's the new covenant which those who receive the true Holy Spirit of God are experiencing that new covenant in its beginning stage right now, but it hasn't been fulfilled totally yet. Jeremiah 31, verse 31. It says, 
in verse 33 of Jeremiah 31. But this shall be the agreement that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the master, I will put my Torah in their inward parts and write it in their minds or hearts and they will and will be their God and they shall be my people. All right. And so he's going to write all those commandments uh, in your mind or on your mind so that you can obey them. That's what the that's what the Holy Spirit does. And Ezekiel, Ezekiel, let's go to Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 27. Ezekiel 36, verse 27. States the following, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you, cause, asah, means to accomplish or complete. Okay, that's what it means. Complete you or you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgment. So if you have the true spirit of God, it's going to influence you to keep all of his commandments, not some of them. And if you don't have the spirit of God, you are not going to be motivated to keep all the commandments. I can't explain it any simpler than that, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. God does not want us to err. And, and erring simply means not wanting to obey his commandments, not wanting to, to obey his commandments, ladies and gentlemen. We can't be that way. So, in, in Psalm 119, verse 21, uh, this is in the, the, uh, the longest psalm in the Bible, and it actually explains you what truth is. Psalm 119, verse 21 states, Thou hast rebuked the proud that are cursed which do err from thy commandments. He doesn't want us erring from the commandments. And then in, in, in Psalm 119, verse 118, Thou hast trodden down all them that err from thy statutes, for their deceit is falsehood. Their deceit is falsehood. So, and then Proverbs 19, verse 17 says, Cease, my son, to hear the instruction that calls up to err from the words of knowledge. He says right here, so I'm looking up all these scriptures that have the word err in it, uh, so you'll understand what I'm talking about here. It says, Isaiah 3, verse 12, As for my people, children are their pressures, and women rule over them. O my people, they which cause, lead thee, cause thee to err. Isaiah 9, verse 16, for the leaders of this people cause them to err. He doesn't want us to err, folks. And he talks about us in Isaiah 28, verse 7. He says, but they also have erred through wine and, and through strong drink. And he's talking about spiritually here, are, are out of the way. He said, through strong drink are out of the way. The priest and the prophet have erred through strong drink. They are swallowed up of wine. They are out of the way through strong drink. They err in vision. They stumble in judgment. And then Isaiah 30, verse 28, and his breath as an overflowing stream shall reach to the midst of the net to sift the nations with the sieve of vanity, and there shall be a bridle in the jaws of the people causing them to err. He does not want us to err. Jeremiah 23, verse 32, behold, I am against them that prophesy false dreams, says the master, and do tell them and cause my people to err by their lies and by their likeness. Yet I have sent them not, nor commanded them therefore. Therefore, they shall not profit this people at all. You have people that preach and they have the spirit of error. He said they will not profit you at all. That's what God says. Hosea 4, verse 12, my people ask counsel to stocks and their staff to clarify to them. For the spirit of whoredoms has caused them to err. And they have gone a whoring from under their God. In other words, they're, they're adhering to other false doctrines or, or false gods. Amos 2, verse 4. And thus says the master, for three transgressions of Judah, 
And for four, I will not turn away punishment there because they have despised the Torah of the master and have not kept his commandments. And their lives caused them to err after the wish their fathers have walked, even the Jews, even though they keep the Sabbath and the holy days, they still have some error in them. Um, Micah 3, verse 5, thus says the master concerning the prophets that make my people err, that bite with their teeth and cry peace, and that he put, put of not into their mouths and and he that put of not into their mouth, they even prepare war against him. And then Matthew 22, verse 29, here's Yeshua's definition of erring. It says, Yeshua answered, in, in Matthew 29, verse 29, Yeshua answered and said unto them, you do err not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. And so you can err by not knowing the scriptures and not understanding the power of God, which is his Ruach Kalkadish or his Holy Spirit. Verse Mark 12, verse 24. He says the same thing here in a different way. And Yeshua answering said unto them, Do you not therefore err because you needed because you know not the scriptures, neither the power of God? All right, so in Hebrews 3, verse 10, wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their heart, and they have not known my way. Just talking about the the generation in the wilderness. And then God tells us in James 1, verse 6, Do not err, my beloved brethren. And James 5, verse 19, brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him. And so this leads into understanding what the spirit of error is and the spirit of truth is. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they be of God or not, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Verse 2, hereby know ye the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Yeshua Messiah has come in the flesh is of God. So everyone that confesses that Yeshua came from heaven is of God. Verse 3, and every spirit that confesses not that Yeshua Messiah has come in the flesh is not of God. And that, that is that the spirit of Antichrist. And we've already, the spirit of Antichrist also involves the spirit of lawlessness, folks. So it's not just Acknowledging that Yeshua came from God is also acknowledging that we need to obey what Yeshua told us to obey. Because you don't really believe him if you don't obey. He says, you are, you are my friends if you do what I tell you. So that's what he says. First John 4, verse 3, and every spirit that confesses not that Yeshua has come in the flesh is not of God. And, and, and this is that spirit of intimacy where if you have heard that it should come and even now already is in the world. Yes, the spirit of iniquity. Verse 4. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak of the world, and the world hears them. We are of a God. He that knows God hears us. He that is not of God hears not us. Hereby we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And so I went over that again about the spirit of error, and if you say, oh, Yeshua came from God, but you don't obey what he says, that's not really believing that he came from God. If you believe he came from God, then you're going to obey what he says, too. So obedience has a lot to do with this, folks. Uh, obedience has a lot to do with this. And I, I just hope that this program helps you to really understand how to identify someone even with miracles, even 
doing great miraculous things, you'll be able to tell whether or not this individual is a true servant of God. John 15, verse 14, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Okay, so that is something that you need to understand. And, and James 4, verse 4, it says, if we are friends with people in the world, then we are his enemy. So please focus on that. And I really hope that this program will help you to identify those who are his true servants, whether they're doing miracles or not. You have to focus on whether they're preaching the truth. That's the criteria. And doing the truth. So you just don't preach the truth. Let me, uh, here's another scripture there that God is having me uh, quote here. First John, First John chapter 3, verse 16. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Verse 17. But whosoever has this world's good and sees his brother in need and shuts up his bowels of mercy, that's one of the weightier matters, right? From him, how dwells the love of God in him? How does the love of God dwell in you, folks, by keeping all his commandments? One of those commandments is to help the needy, the fatherless, and the widows. Verse 18, my little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue. Okay? And so a lot of people, they focus on speaking tongues. That's, that's not one of the weightier matters either. Okay, let us love in word. Let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and truth. Verse 19. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. How do we know if we are of the truth? If we, uh, but, you know, we, we prove that we are of the truth by our deeds. Our deeds will determine whether or not we are of the truth. And James, and I don't have time to read it, but James stated that our faith, our enuna, must have works. And those works are simply keeping his mitzvot or his commandments. And that's what love is all about, ladies and gentlemen. If you want to have the love of God in you, you need to keep all his commandments, not just some of them. So may y'all bless and keep you. And y'all willing, I'll be available to you next week. Shalom. Peace. Malachi chapter 4. For behold... The day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse.